Welcome to the A-Level Biologist Podcast, bringing you the most exciting area in the world right now, covering education and business in life science. Your host is Ariane Mizarafi Ahi, who's on a mission to do for the body what the internet has done for the mind. He's a PhD dropout and the creator of the A-Level Biologist, your hub. Please give it up for Ariane and enjoy. Hi guys, how's it going? Did you know that there is a parasite able to hijack an ant's mandible and make it clench onto a grass blade right at the top and sit there night after night until a grazing animal eats the grass and returns the parasite to its home, that is, its intestine? Didn't see that coming, did ya? Welcome to this podcast about writing the language of science behind the scenes for the world's most exciting and powerful life science movers and shakers, and making history from the shadows. I met Ian Ingster, this episode's special guest, through Sense Research Foundation, which was my very first experience with the concept of ending aging, as presented by Dr. Aubrey de Grey, and first ignited my desire to do research in a lab. This essentially formed the basis for all my subsequent lab work experience and academic progress. Fast forward years later, Ian presents me with the opportunity of working with him to craft various high-level science communication materials from the emergence of artificial intelligence in different countries to pitching new healthcare app models to companies to editing the latest books on bleeding-edge science in the field of rejuvenation biotechnology, a term he himself brought to the limelight. Ian's background includes linguistics and information systems, and he relishes the challenge in science to communicate things succinctly and unequivocally. In his spare time, he casually formulates alternative theoretical cancer interventions. Ian, it's awesome having you on the Elevel Biologist podcast. Welcome. My pleasure. Ian, your accomplishments are inspirational, and I'm sure many people would love to work in the sort of industries you're involved with. But your academic trajectory wasn't predictable, was it? Not at all. In fact, um, though I'm formally part of the uh, biomedical industry, um, I did nothing uh, after secondary school <laughs> in that area whatsoever, after A-level. So what did your journey look like? Well, when I was doing higher at, in uh, Scotland, uh, higher level um, uh, education, which is the Scottish equivalent of uh, a levels, um, which I think you did an episode on that. Um, uh, yeah, I did one of your YouTube videos. I, I, th I oh yeah, I remember that was a yes. very long time ago. It was um, yeah, I just discovered that um, I hadn't done any content for the Scottish um syllabus because it's just got different language, so you don't find it. So it's like oh, the level biologist, a level biology, different a level biology exam boards, and then I thought. What happened to Scotland? I forgot about Scotland. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, Scotland. Yeah, they do hires and advanced hires. I was like, oh god, I, I just yeah, it was a whole thing that I just realised years after starting. So, Ian, you did that, right? <laughs> the yeah, hires. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so yes, but uh, same lesson applies. Um, so I fully expected to go into uh, either software engineering or information systems, largely because back then those were still highly specialized uh, subject areas and therefore 
very fascinating and cutting edge. Mm-hmm. Um, further down the line, they became a lot less specialised, <laughs> um, more in the ballpark of motorcycle repair, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, so, yes, um, I did do um, higher biology, and I squeaked into the top class, where okay. I was a C-grade student. <laughs> um and I did nothing in that vein uh, afterwards at university. Okay. Uh, this is actually something I'm still not sure about because I know the higher is like the A-level, but it seems like the advanced higher is actually more difficult than the second year of A-levels. And some universities um, consider the advanced level material as the starting material for some of the university courses. So... Um, if you do advanced higher, you do one fewer years of uni? I'm not certain about that. Um, certainly, um, having done uh, advanced hires, I didn't do that in biology. Um, I would not have been let off uh, four years at university if I wanted a degree with honours. Mm. Um, but I'm not certain about that. Okay, I'll have to find a more a more Scottish guest. <laughs> <laughs> that should be quite easy. I've been, I've been uh, spent too much time down here. I've been quite corrupted. <laughs> we'll learn more about Ian's unique insights in just a second. Ian, what things have you noticed over your career that specifically contradicted everything you assumed from your school days? I find that as I deal with more and more specialised people, I know it's a cliche, but I find that they, the more specialised a person is, the more lopsided is their <laughs> expertise. Uh, expertise or skill in one area, it comes at a cost to expertise and skill, skill in another area. So, and I find that scientists are the worst offenders. Uh, <laughs> I find that scientists um, are kind of their own worst enemy when it comes to uh, communicating um, and communicating their needs um, Do you to think... people who hold the purse strings, for example. Yeah. Uh, Do you think they're not good at pitching their work? I think that they're terrible at pitching their work. <laughs> I think they, you, they invariably need outside help. Why do you think that is? Well, part of my work, um, part of my early work for scientific non-profits was um, actually translating interns' work into English. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And uh, it would take me... uh, When you say English, you literally mean English to English. Yes, English (laughs) to English, yes. Um, I find that uh, often... In a conversation with a scientist, you end up eliciting a very, very simple idea which was just kind of strung out in in their own mind. Um, I don't know if you've seen that episode of Blackadder, where that there's a discussion about how did World War One start, and the question is, ages ago there was a war on, and now there's not a war on, and there must have been a time when there being a war on went away, and blah blah mm-hmm. blah blah blah, and the question can be distilled as. How did the war start? Yeah. <laughs> that is every conversation I've ever had with a scientist. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess the con the scientific content itself is is kind of inherently complex and inherently uh, multi layered, and there's a lot of things that go into it. So if scientists spend their time focused on that, it's difficult for them to even begin to step back from it and kind of translate that back. And um, how did you get into doing that? Well, um, when I was uh, at university, um, I became more interested in the job of the teacher than in the subject matter being taught. So I found myself uh, admiring the ability of the lecturers to uh, distill their lessons their ideas into simple lessons. Um, so while, while I was at university, my mind already turned to the subject of communication. Mm-hmm. Uh, furthermore, the art of communication and distilling ideas for as, for as long as I could remember has always been slightly fascinating to me. So when I was 13, 14, I used to read through film scripts, Hollywood film scripts, and I would just marvel at the screenwriter's ability to um, distill um, visually uh, interesting events in just a few words, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So I've always been fascinated with communication and the challenges of communication and making ideas succinct and uh, incorruptible. And I've always been one of those people who, if they see politicians on the television and you see them talking past each other you want to say can't you see what that guy is saying and can't that guy see what that guy is saying and I don't even care who's right stop talking past each other I've always been one of those people Yeah. the thing is I see scientists and academics doing this as well mm-hmm. um, when they're talking to each other, when they're talking to politicians, when they're trying to communicate with the public, when they're trying to create democratic pressure for this or that exactly yes Um, the academics often let themselves down and researchers often Mm -hmm. let themselves down and I just seem to perceive this very acutely yes yes and I think there's almost um, new jobs being created because of that and scientists are now having to as part of their funding show that they are communicating their work to the public when that funding is coming from taxpayer money and then also other people becoming science communicators as a job title being a science communicator to make sense of this and uh, put it in various publications for people to to become aware of um, and um, I did a, a specifically interdisciplinary PhD while well, I, I I dropped out of it, not so much did it. <laughs> and so many um, so many students are still made to feel like they need to specialise early. Um, I think we're champions of interdisciplinarity here on the Herbal Biologist podcast and in many other places. Um, we'll see what Ian has to say about slaloming around different subjects and still making it coming up. The A-Level Biologist podcast is sponsored by the alevelbiologist.co.uk a high school biology resource with over 1 million visits that covers over half a thousand trackable and searchable topics. Pretty Hetty from the studentroom.co.uk says, I've struggled so much with feeling overwhelmed with biology revision and I don't know where to start. But your website is just what I need. It tells me all the information I need and the knowledge I need to then build on. And it's written in a way that soaks straight up into my brain. For some reason, I remember everything you have written. 
Thanks so much. You're very welcome, Pretty Hetty. The alevelbiologist.co.uk offers great value student and teacher subscriptions and scholarships while supporting health and education charities. Visit the alevelbiologist.co.uk today. Ian, you've self-taught so much science and had nothing resembling a typical scientific schooling with science A-levels followed by a science degree, a PhD and the whole shebang. Were there more opportunities or more hurdles that you encountered due to your eclectic multidisciplinary journey? I would say that I've had very few hurdles, in fact, because I've been passed around from person to person, client to client. Um, if you're able, genuinely able to help uh, one group of people, there'll be someone among them who's connected with another group of people and um, they'll need help as well. What I would say is that a more formal schooling in biology would have led me down the path of making a more meagre contribution to uh, progress in biology, I think. That's brilliant. We love covering so-called failure porn here on the Elva Biologist podcast. Failure porn is when conventionally successful people fixate on the negative. It actually simply emphasises their success more than teaches anything about the importance of failing. Ian, suppose things in your life had gone really excellently from the very beginning all the way through to your career exploding. What do you think would have happened? Where might you be instead? And how would it have changed the person you are today? I would probably be a small town general practitioner somewhere, um, making a lot of people reasonably happy, but uh, not making the slightest impact on any industry anywhere. <laughs> so a more, um, a more, I don't want to say average, but sort of self, a more contained existence with fewer arms into different things. Yes, a, a less well-rounded existence and less interesting, and I would not even be a very good GP. <laughs> well, why not? It's just not my forte. <laughs> Are you not very good with people and their problems? I just hate the general public. <laughs> <laughs> that's, um, a, that's a bad idea, <laughs> then. <laughs> Let's delve a bit deeper into Ian's personal life to keep things a bit less abstract. We're both, we're both working and freelancing on our own terms and making our own decisions. We'll see what that's like for Ian in just a minute. How did your freelancing come about and was it a conscious choice? Actually, it emerged naturally out of uh, volunteer work. Um, I mentioned earlier the uh, energy with which I try to uh, help people if I see them making a mistake or letting themselves down. That just became uh, a full-time occupation over the course of, um, well, several years of increasing hours. Um, before I knew it, uh, a volunteer occupation had become a full-time occupation, and I think that's uh, quite normal for a lot of careers. I know a lot of political careers begin that way. Um, really? I didn't know that. Now I look at politicians in different ways. Like, obviously, you volunteered to be 
Theresa May is a volunteer. Just tickles me. <laughs> oh yes, they all um, they all get involved, don't they, in research uh, groups or what have you? What are they called? Focus focus groups. Uh, focus groups, uh, think tanks, things like that. I see. Now, with so much remote work through the internet, I actually realised I didn't want to be completely without regular human interactions in a work setting. So I decided to do some volunteering, which has been so great because it has a clear benefit, but it's also not plugged into my career per se. So the usual pressures in relating to bosses or colleagues disappear. I wonder if Ian has any tips on having your cake and eating it. We'll be right back. Ian, is there a lifestyle-related dream you're kind of still holding out for? Yes, I might quite like to um, form a firm or team uh, specially dedicated to the unique challenges that um, unique communication challenges that uh, emerging technologies have. Um, but I'm still charting that landscape. It's it's a very elusive uh, area. What would it take to make it easy? I would need a lot more people who know what they're doing. <laughs> Hopefully some of the listeners are people who know what they're doing. Uh, and that would be awesome if they could help. Uh, Ian actually mentioned something extremely interesting off the recorder. Uh, and I thought, you know, I'm going to actually make this the last question, which is... Should people forget about their A-levels once they've gone to uni? No. And don't neglect your A-levels, even if you think you may not be pursuing the same course at university. Because events may conspire. You may need them later in life. My A-levels, my biology A-levels, I never thought I would need them again. I needed them because I needed credits at secondary school. In the end, they proved an invaluable primer. I'd be completely lost at sea without them. Um, even if you end up self-teaching a lot in later life, your A-levels will provide um, a groundwork, uh, even if you don't know it at the time. There you have it. Thanks for joining me, Ian. Thank you for listening. And remember... If you're that parasite I mentioned in the intro to this episode, you're quite smart, because you only make the ant climb the grass blade at night. Wouldn't want the light of day to scorch it alive alongside you, would we? By Dicrochelium dendriticum. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> so, I, I speak Latin, you see, so I thought you were asking me to translate. <laughs> Hey, it's me again. Didn't see that coming, did ya? I'm here to thank you for the phenomenal growth in the past season and ask you to take a part in next season's success. Share this episode and add your review now. Thank you so much and see you in the next one.